Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. Drilling Deep is part of the FreightWaves family of podcasts. And since you have to drill for oil, we name this podcast Drilling Deep because you need oil to make diesel, and we know why that is important in the trucking business. Fuel has been a big issue for a while now. The price of diesel as measured by the DOE EIA weekly price. That's the one that's used in fuel surcharges. That number is at the highest level since November 2018, after the most recent increase. Our guest today is Justin King from ComData. They process a huge number of fuel payments. So he's in a good position to talk about what trends he has seen in fuel efficiency, buying patterns, and what truck drivers did during the, during the Colonial Pipeline shutdown. I want to talk about a factor in the high price of oil, higher price of oil. It is one I mentioned on earlier podcasts, but I was looking at some data the other day and it really, really struck me. There is a correlation, it's a tight one, between the price of oil and the value of the US dollar. Oil is priced in dollars all across the world. If Indonesia sells oil to China, it's priced in dollars. Saudi Arabia and all the Middle East nations price their oil in dollars, and so on. What that means is that when the value of the dollar goes down, the price of oil usually goes up. It's not an absolute one-to-one correlation. It's not like a 1% drop in the value of the dollar means a 1% rise in oil prices. But the inverse correlation and the trends that result from it are clear. It's easy to figure out why. If the dollar is weaker against other currencies, it will take more dollars to buy the same product. Sometimes the relationship goes off the rails, but never for too long. I looked at a chart the other day about the DXY index. It's a traded index. It's easily the most important index, the most important barometer of the value of the dollar overall. Obviously, the dollar has relationships with every currency in the world, so it can be rising against some currencies and falling against others. It's always interesting to travel around the world and talk to people and realize that they know what the value is of their currency relative to the dollar. For them, the value of the dollar is not just some obscure thing that only traders know. It's something that impacts daily life, and a country's citizens know it. That chart I mentioned showed the DXY over the last five years. And in those five years, there has only been one time when it has been down around the current level. The current level is down a little around 90. It's an index number, so that number on its own does not mean much. Uh, The highest number in there, I think, was like 97. That doesn't sound like a lot of movement, but it is. Now, the price of oil back then at the start of 2018, that's when the the, the DXY was about the same level as it is now, the price of oil was not the same as the current price. The correlation is not that tight. But the fact is that the price of Brent in this past week did cross the $70 per barrel mark, and it hasn't been at that level since the fall of 2014. That's when it began its sharp descent that pushed it well off the $100 mark, where it resided for much of 2013 and 2014. So we've got the highest prices in oil in a while, and we've got the lowest dollar in a while. That is not a coincidence. There are other things going on there. I'm not going to say that oil is 100% a function of the dollar. If it was, there wouldn't be any need for oil analysts. We could just get by with foreign currency analysts. But the dollar is a part. It's a big part. It's important for the trucking industry to understand that since it is so heavily impacted by the greenback. The fact is that oil has been moving higher for over a lot of factors, but at a certain point, it gets difficult to extract them from the broader inflationary commodity move we've been seeing in everything. How much of oil is fundamentals? How much is the commodity surge? And when you start asking those questions, you've got to make sure you take a look at the value of the dollar. 
We're going to move he on here on Drilling Deep now. You know, fuel has been very much in the trucking news these days. First, the price of diesel is measured by the weekly DOE EIA price. It's at the highest level since November 2018. That's the number that is used for fuel surcharges, but not every mile gets driven with a surcharge. And even when it is get, gets driven with a surcharge, a shipper down the line is having to pay those fees. And if you listen to some of the first quarter uh, earnings calls, uh, the retailers were saying it was just killing them. So then we had the outage on the Colonial Pipeline. For gasoline users, it was a big deal. For trucks, it was a nuisance at times, but it clearly showed the vulnerability of a system that is designed for maximum efficiency, where it isn't easy to easily have a redundant backup system. ComData provides a lot of services to the trucking industry, and fuel is very much a part of it. But the company does more than that a lot, and a lot of what it does does involve fuel, here to talk about some perspectives on the market today on Drilling Deep is Justin King. He's the Senior Vice President and the Head of Product Innovation at Fleet Corps ComData. Uh, Justin, welcome to Drilling Deep. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. So why don't you do the task of telling us where ComData fits into the supply chain? Yeah, well, ComData has a, has a long history, over 50 years in the, uh, in the trucking industry specifically. And really started as a technology and, and payments provider for, for carriers, you know, way back in the 70s with our, our, our kind of our first flagship product called the ComCheck, which was really the earliest, earliest way for, you know, carriers to get, uh, you know, money to drivers on the road for things like fuel maintenance, towing, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, the business has evolved over the decades since then. And has expanded into fuel card payments, um, virtual card payments, AP, um, you know, you name it. If it's a, if it touches, you know, payments for fleets, we are involved in that process. I just want to be clear to ask a, to repeat for the audience a question that I ask you. You are not a factoring company, however, you do not buy invoices. Yeah, we don't do any factoring. Uh, we used to a long time ago, but. But we don't do that today. We have a partnership with a uh, with a company called Crestmark, where you know we refer you know any of our customers interested in factoring uh, you know to that partner. Now you see a lot of data on payments uh, for fuel, among other things. As the price of fuel has risen, is there any evidence in your data that truckies are, truckers are changing their fueling behavior, or are the rates so good that they easily cover these higher costs? Yeah, we we haven't seen any change in in behavior as far as, you know, reduction of, of, uh, of usage or fewer transactions. In fact, you know, the week of the, the colonial, you know, pipeline shutdown, we saw an increase in transactions, um, you know, pretty significantly. It was, it was, you know, a, a three to 5% increase in transactions, depending on which segment you look at. Uh, we have our small fleet segment and large fleet segment, and they both, reacted the same way and it actually fueling more from a transaction perspective, but there was a slight dip in the number of gallons being pumped. So it would indicate, um, you know, some behavior around trying to keep the tank topped off, maybe fueling more frequently, um, but having smaller, you know, fueling events overall. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for a, for a homeowner and, a, and a, you know, I'd say, I shouldn't say a homeowner, but a car owner, to just run out and fill up the tank because that's not normally a huge investment in terms of cash. But somebody filling up a big rig, that is a significant investment in cash. So yeah, maybe they're gonna pop a little more in there just to make sure 
but not as much as they normally would. So actually, I mean, those are really interesting figures. And they were, <laughs> I wish I had talked to you last week because when I was covering the colonial outage for freight waves, I was looking for data like that. So n- next time the colonial goes down, uh, Justin, I'll have to give you a call. All right, good. So anyway, um, did the numbers uh, of people you serve, just the number of uh, you know card holders out there and the number of people that you're paying, is it giving you any indication on the level of capacity out there? You know, there's obviously the demand for truckers is off the charts right now, but you look at some of the uh, you look at some of the data coming out of the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the employment numbers, and they're not going up. I mean, the number of drivers theoretically should be rising right now with higher pay and certainly plenty of opportunities, and they're not. Are you seeing the same kind of problem in the same sort of data or the same sort of information coming out of your numbers? Yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, the driver shortage has been a, a topic for a number of years now and, um, you know, something that's been uh, a challenge and a headwind for for carriers, especially larger carriers. Um, and, and this year has been interesting, really, you know, this year and call it late last year through this through the COVID crisis. You know, we've started to see, you know, a, a tale of two different, you know, segments within trucking. So, you know, we've got our small fleet segment, which we define as, you know, fleets with less than 100 trucks. And then our large fleet segment, which, you know, 100 trucks plus and, you know, really represents the largest kind of segment, large, you know, mega carriers and that type of thing. Um, between those two segments, you know, we see some softness in you know kind of the the year over year month over month week over week you know consumption within the large fleet segment um and i think that that could be indicative of you know some some headwinds around driver shortage around having you know trucks on the road fewer trucks or or excuse me more trucks being parked um because they don't have drivers um and then you know it's the opposite in the small fleet segment so in the small fleet segment, you know, we certainly see uh, same, you know, the kind of the same store, you know, growth uh, within those portfolios. So, you know, it would almost it would almost indicate that, you know, maybe a lot of, you know, company drivers who were driving for contract carriers before are going out and hanging their shingle and becoming an owner operator. There might be more of a shift towards that. Um, versus being a company driver. Um, and that could be due to spot rates. It could be due to, you know, you know, COVID and, and, you know, some of the, you know, choppiness that was happening there. Um, and this unemployment could be a factor in some of that as well. So there's definitely a lot of things that I think are, are impacting the, you know, uh, potentially the capacity within both large fleet and small fleet segments. All right. Let me talk to you about some of the work that you do right now. There's so much focus on analytics in terms of routing efficiency, hiring efficiency. Certainly a lot of analytics are being brought to that area. But what are the latest advances in fuel efficiency in terms of what uh, analytics can do for the products that you offer uh, in fuel optimization and, and other fuel efficiency programs? Yeah, I always think of, you know, fuel efficiency is there's two components of it. I'll, to simplify it, I, we call it the, the hardware side and the software side. Um, you know, every year as we do, you know, annual planning as a business, you know, you, you've got to automatically assume that, you know, uh, a fleet of a, of 100 trucks last year, 
you know, this year, say it's still 100 trucks, they're, they're going to have a 2% roughly increase in efficiency over the prior year. Um, and that's due to, you know, the more of the hardware side of things. So, you know, getting new, new tractors that have better fuel efficiency, better technology, it's the bolt on stuff, the, the wings and the, you know, wheel covers and things like that, that just, you know, by virtue of the bolt-ons and the, and the vehicles themselves, that they're just improving the efficiency of the fleet. So that's kind of the hardware side. We're not really involved in any of that. Um, then you move on into the software side, and, and, and that's, that's where we are uh, way more involved, right, is, is around, um, you know, using technology to route drivers along the most efficient routes, whether it be, you know, elevation gain, weather, traffic, you know, let computers make smart decisions around routes that the driver should take. Um, and then, and then on top of that, make smart decisions around where the driver should stop and, and fuel up. Now that doesn't necessarily drive efficiency in all cases, but it certainly drives reduction in fuel costs. Um, you know, we see we have a, a product called Fleet Advance where we score every transaction that a driver has. And we give a score between zero and 100. And 100 means that that driver stopped at the best possible optimized price stop for their highway segment. So you, when, you say so when you say transaction, you're talking about the, when they actually go to buy fuel. Correct, correct. So let's say, you know, hey, you stop at, you know, uh, a truck stop between here, Nashville and, and Memphis. And, you know, you paid, uh, you know, 310 a gallon, let's say. We, we, we have, you know, up to the minute pricing data that, that we source ourselves. It's not crowdsource or anything like that. We get it and we build the price right from the Opus racks on up. We can tell you um, how, how optimized that price was. So if the you know, another truck stop four exits down is $3 and that driver made a bad choice. Didn't stop at the, you know, least cost option. So we have a tool that does that and, 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 you know, drives this driver behavior and, you know, fleets that run fuel optimizers are certainly, you know, score overall as a portfolio very high in our system. So think, think 90 plus scores. But for a large fleet, you know, the difference between 94 and 96 can be a few hundred thousand dollars a year. So, you know, they're constantly focusing on scoring transactions, you know, making sure that the driver is stopping at the place that has the best price, you know, versus the place that they want to stop because, of, you know, they like the food or whatever. And and. Um, you know, and then and then enforcing that you know driver behavior and change and that type of thing. So you know, I'm interested. Um, to, I'm interested to hear you saying you have such granular data on individual stations because you know I worked. Even you mentioned Opus. I worked for Platts for many years. Platts is a big competitor of Opus, and you know while rack data is certainly available, uh, I we always found that first of all there really wasn't a lot of uh, business opportunity in retail numbers and selling a database of retail numbers. Uh, also, it was very difficult, very labor intensive to acquire those. What I'm hearing from you is that uh, that you've actually got what you think is a pretty good database of those numbers. Tell, tell us how you managed to, to crack that nut. 
Well, that's our secret sauce. I, <laughs> right. I can't give you all the secrets on that, but but I mean, look, it, it, it's basically it's a function of of us being, you know, certainly one of the largest fuel card uh, providers in the country, uh, coupled with the fact that we get real time data uh, about every transaction that's happening on our network. You know, just while we've been talking here for you know whatever twelve minutes, you know. We, we've processed hundreds of thousands of transactions all around, you know, all around the country. And with every transaction that we get, we get that what we call level three information. So we know how many gallons the driver pumped. We know the price per gallon. We know the grade of fuel. Uh, we, we know all of that data. And so we compile that in real time in our system. And so we know, you know, I can, I can pull up a, a thing, you know, a, a report here, it's in real time. And I can tell you with 99% accuracy what the what the price per gallon for diesel is at the, the TA just down the road from us here. Right. And even even, even if they go to change that number, you're going to you're going to have a sale soon after that change that number and your database will reflect that. Yeah, correct. Correct. And so there's multiple sources, too. So we also build up prices and you know, the, the rack price and, and, you know, and we also track, you know, company discounts as well. So, you know, for any given company using our, our platform, we know that, hey, they have such and such discount at this chain and that gets built into that, that scoring logic. Does the, the, does the demand for your fuel efficiency services increase when prices rise? Is there a, I won't say a one-to-one -one correlation. I doubt it would ever be that tight. But are you seeing a, some kind of correlation that more people knock on your door when you start to get significantly over $3 a gallon? Yeah, especially in the small fleet uh, segment. So your, your, your owner-operators and, and fleets that have less than 20 trucks, they're you know, very price-sensitive, and, and they do – you know, there's a there's a high number of them that still operate in you know cash and that type of thing for for paying for diesel. So when you know prices start to go up, you know that that 25 cent discount and you know some of these these software tools to help them find the best price. Some of that that stuff gets in high demand, and and we do tend to see uh, more people interested in the fuel card product. You do other payments as well. We've been talking about fuel the entire time here, but there are other things where you basically use your ComData card as a tool to get rapid payment into the hands of truckers. Uh, what are some of the things that, that other, some of the other services you provide? What are they getting paid for? Yeah, so, I mean, probably our, 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 our next biggest product is the, um, is the ComCheck product, which, like I said in the beginning, it's it's been evolving to the to the plastic card as well, but we still have, you know, com checks. There's they're still in circulation. We do a lot of you know physical paper checks as a way for a carrier to get funds to a driver to make a purchase on the road, whether it's paying a lumper, um, you know, buying fuel in some cases, emergency expenses, and all that type of thing. Um, that that platform has been slowly converting onto, you know, into more of an app-based digital currency as well as a card-based product. Um, so that, that migration has been happening for some time. And, you know, over time, just as, just like in our personal lives, how, you know, a lot of people are sending way less checks than they used to 10 years ago, um, you know, the same thing's happening in this industry. And then we have a, another product that, um, you know, called ComData OnRoad, which is, again, is a digital money-based product and a mobile app that 
allows you know carriers to to disperse funds to drivers, um, whether it be payroll, W-2 payroll type funds, or it's settlement funds for an owner operator. And then, you know, that that card can can have a dual purpose. So it can, you know, run a fuel transaction on against a company credit line and the company pays the bill on that. And also the same card can 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 have the, the these driver funds or personal funds on it. It allows the driver to use that card for any expenses they have on the road, pay bills. Um, they can use our app to do a peer-to-peer -peer payment, like a Venmo, to you know a spouse back home or to another driver, a team driver, and that type of thing. So, and, yeah, and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah is yeah. the pr is the pressure there just relentless to get those payments out faster? And and how much have they been? How much have they speeded up? Maybe you can give an example. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, exactly. It's to get the money out into the hands of the driver instantly. And, and that's, that's really what we can do now. Um, you know, back in the old days, you know, ComCheck could do that. But, you know, if you, if, you know, you had to pay a driver, say $1,000, okay, and the driver or the, the driver manager would call the, call you and give you the express code, you would put it on a check, you'd walk into the, into the truck stop and, you know, go through a whole process and, you know, pay the truck stop a fee and you cash your check. Um, now with this product, it's all digital. So it just, the, the, the carrier loads the funds on the card. It's instantly available and the driver has their app. They can see right in the app and see that that money's available. So we've gone from, uh, you know, what was for all intents and purposes, a, an instant process before, um, but with a lot of friction and expense for the driver in it. Um, because of the fees for cash and checks and all of that, um, to a, 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 a process that is still instant, but that, and, and that gives the driver a lot more ability to direct deposit and use their money for other things other than just getting cash, um, and has reduced the friction and reduced the expense for the driver in the same process. And we're going to last question. We've got time for one more. What did COVID do to your business? Uh, how different is it today than it than it w was a year ago or let's say 14, 15 months ago? And did it shock you at all? Did anything happen like the way you thought it might happen? Or you know, a lot of people are now looking at, at their particular markets and saying, wow, when, when COVID started, I never would have expected it to end up like this. Uh, in your business, uh, what, how, what kind of, how did that manifest itself? Yeah, COVID... COVID gave us an amazing opportunity and, and it gave a lot of businesses the same opportunity, but it was really the opportunity to take a step back and look at everything that you do um, as a business and all of the, the manual touch points and the face-to-face -face things that we did as a business or that we, that our customers did, right? Um, and think of ways it gave us the opportunity to think of ways on how we can digitize that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked a bit about ComCheck, you know, in the old pre-COVID days, you know, there was literally a physical, you know, a driver would walk into a warehouse to pay a lumper with a ComCheck. There would be a face-to-face -face checkout with a, a cashier. They would do the ComCheck. The paper was changing hands, you know, all of this, this stuff. So, you know, when COVID comes, you know, and again, the, the trucking industry too is, you know, they like if it, if it, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and frankly, the old, that old way of doing things wasn't broke. 
And then COVID came and all of a sudden warehouses don't want drivers in the warehouse. They don't want face-to-face, -face, you know, exchanging paper things to, to check out and all this and that. So it gave us the opportunity to really accelerate in some of our digital ambitions around, you know, mobile-based checkout, around, you know, digitizing the comm check and making it, you know, digital versus paper and all, and all of that. So, you know, as I look at this business now and I see the, the impact of COVID, it, you know, the the biggest impact was that we were able to really accelerate um, our own development of digitized products, as well as customer acceptance of and and merchant and, and you know, merchant acceptance of digitized products. So that's been the biggest lasting thing for us. Yeah, it's going to be a great great fodder for business schools for years to come look at the businesses that ended up thriving or making permanent positive change in their business um, because of the because of COVID and companies that really, you know, just fell behind and they didn't make adaptations and and they're behind everybody else. And uh, this is certainly going to be an inflection point. So anyway, we want to thank Justin King of Com Data. Uh, Justin, thanks for coming on Drilling Deep. Yeah, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Uh, you have been listening to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts uh, from Freightways. You can find us on all of the major platforms for podcasts. We hope you'll subscribe to them, and we hope you'll tune in again. See you then.